What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Make Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every day, available on all platforms, free wherever you're looking for us, coming at you five days a week. So make it your first listen and make it part of your daily routine. Today's episode is a mailbag episode. We do this most weeks, I used to say each and every week, but we are not as consistent with it because the Blazers have just been so darn news heavy that we've had to skip some mailbag weeks, but we do this most weeks, answering listener submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, there are two ways to do it. You can tweet at me at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of a question. Helps if you indicate that it is for the show in some way or watch my Twitter feed because on the day of the show, I will send out a tweet soliciting your questions. Respond to that tweet. I will get you in the show. If you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, that's okay. You can email me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. That's lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. That's the two ways to do it. We do this every week. It's a ton of fun. So without further ado, let's get into it. First question of the show comes from Death Cab for Cody at C working on it on Twitter who asks, you are in favor, the you here is me in this question, is your your host. You are in favor of trading the New Orleans pick for Jeremy Grant. Let's say New Orleans makes the playoffs and that pick does not convey and the Blazers stand pat in the lottery at seven. Would you trade that pick for Jeremy Grant? Uh, let's provide a little... A little context here for those see uh, working on it. The homie Death Cab for Cody, obviously a regular listener to the podcast, so kind of knows the deal. But if you are new or if you're a first-time listener, hi, really happy to have you. Uh, but uh, the Blazers are owed a lottery-protected pick by the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, it's it only comes to the Blazers if it falls between five and fourteen. The Pelicans, they they really the way that the standings are to work, they really can't give a pick to the Blazers below ninth. So we're really talking about if they miss the playoffs, they'll be giving the Blazers nine, ten, or eleven. 11. Uh, there's some outside chance that's higher than 11, but 80, 80% chance it's between nine, and 11. If it conveys, if they hop up into the top four in the lottery, they don't, they, the, that pick doesn't belong to the Blazers. But in this scenario, the Pelicans make the playoffs since they owe a lottery protected pick to the Blazers and they wouldn't be in the lottery in that situation. The Blazers wouldn't get a pick. They would be stuck with their own pick. And in this scenario that Cody has provided, it is, or a death cap for Cody has provided, it is the Blazers stand at seven and they would, would have one draft pick. And I want to be in more context is needed. Uh, it had been reported that the Blazers, if they were to get two draft picks, they would send the new Orleans one, which is going to be that nine through 11 range to the Detroit Pistons in exchange for forward Jeremy Grant. And I had a show last week. You should go listen to it. I'll talking all about that trade. Uh, it's in your feed or on your YouTube cha- on my YouTube channel, depending on how, how you consume the show uh, talking about Jeremy Grant. And I would do that trade. Uh, I would, um, I think the Blazers need help at forward. I think for what the reported asking price would be, hard-pressed to find something that's more valuable than that. I understand the concerns about Jeremy Grant and his contract wishes and all those things, but I would do that trade. So the question is, would I do that trade if the Blazers only had one lottery pick? And the answer is no. No, I would not because rookies are too valuable. It is too valuable to have a good player on a rookie scale contract if you're building a quality team. That's it's it's not only the bridge to what's next, right? Like you get a young player that can whatever the iteration of the Blazers that exists in four years when the end of their rookie contract is done, that can be part of that next generation, right? It's it's just, if you're good now, it's really helpful to have cheap, good young players on the roster, and rookies are cheap. Uh, typically, it wouldn't be for the seventh pick in the draft, but you know some rookies make less than the veteran league minimum, so you're getting a steal, right? You're getting a deal. It wouldn't be the case for a seventh overall pick. They get paid some, you know, whatever, small millions. 
more than veteran minimum. But there's, if the Blazers only have one lottery pick, you got to use it. You got to use it. You got to take a player that can help you. If you have two, then you can start exploring trades. I think there's even a case to be made, and many have made it, that if you have two, you use them both. You'd rather just have the picks. I think some people get more excited about rookies than I do. Um, I am under the impression that, that drafting is too hard and that you're, li- you're liable to get it wrong. So, um, you know, trade for a veteran that's kind of like a known commodity is maybe more of where I lean, but you could argue you're liable to get it wrong. Take both swings at it and try to get it right. Like, I think there's, I, I think there's reasonable people that disagree on my sort of Jeremy Grant or like vet trade for a veteran stance. That's totally fine. I'm not going to push back too much against that, but I, in general, if the Blazers only have one lottery pick in this upcoming draft, which is certainly a reasonable scenario because the Pelicans look pretty good and they're getting healthy again, CJ's back ball and blah, 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 blah. Um, like, if the Pelicans make the playoffs and Blazers only end up with one lottery pick, I think you got to just make, I think you got to make the selection. You got to get it right. I think that's the path forward. If you get two, you can talk about trades. If you get one, I think you just got to go for it. Speaking of lottery picks, Connexion Blazers at Connexion Blazers on Twitter asks scenario A the Pelicans make the playoffs. You get no draft pick from them, but lottery luck draw lands the Blazers with the number one overall pick. Or scenario B, the Pels pick conveys at eight and Portland's own pick lands at five. Which scenario would you prefer to work around in the offseason? I think this is maybe a perfect scenario because um, like in terms of um, making it difficult for me. I think if the if the Blazers pick was in the top four, I think there's like a clear-cut really four darn good players in this draft um, with... Paolo Bacaro, Chad Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr., and Jaden Ivey. I think there's a drop-off from that tier, and I think there's even a drop-off from the tier from the top three to Ivey. I'm, I think Ivey's going to be pretty good. Um, I don't know if he's, like, franchise-changing, but I think he's going to be a good pro. I'm a, I've seen him play one game, and I'm a believer in him. He was really good against Carolina. Um, and then when you get to five, I think it's relatively muddled from that sort of five through 11 range. Like, there's a lot of different names that have kind of cycled through there, and you could be talked into several. So I think five and eight is a really interesting one. Why I put this question second is because if you get five and eight, you might be able to trade eight for Jeremy Grant, but it's eight too high. Like if it's 10, uh, I guess eight, it wouldn't work uh, with the way the lottery works. Well, let's call it nine. That's just like to make this a realistic scenario. So five and nine. like nine, I would, I would probably still give away for Jeremy Grant, knowing that that's a big risk. But if I would do it at 10, I would have to do it at nine. It should, you know, stand firmly uh, in my, on my, in my beliefs. If, unless I have someone I'm specifically have my eye on, I certainly don't. So I think in this scenario, I would rather have the two picks. I think I would rather have like my choice between Jaden Ivy or AJ Griffin at five. Um, although Jaden Ivy's not a perfect fit for the Blazers by any means. He's a bad fit for the Blazers, but sometimes you got to just take talent. And if he's there, you might just have to take him and then figure it out later. Um, and, and AJ Griffin, I think is a talented and a really good fit for the Blazers. Uh, AJ Griffin is six, six shooter who could potentially play three and four at the next level. Certainly looks like an NBA quality wing who can really shoot a shot 47% from three this year. Jaden Avi, like a small athletic, super athletic guard, not what the Blazers need, but, but might end up being a really good player. So I think I would keep the, I think I would rather have five and eight because I'd rather have the choice between those two. And then I would trade eight for a veteran, specifically Jeremy Grant. Um, in this case, um, not that there's like Jeremy Grant's the best player available, but I think for what you could offer a pick and just the Blazers trade exception. I don't think you're getting a better player than Jeremy Grant. Go look at salaries for next year and find someone making $22 million. who's going to be available just for the top, top 10 pick. I don't think there's an obvious one unless you can really talk yourself into Harrison Barnes. I'm not doing that. That's, but you can, um, 
So yeah, I think I'd rather have five and eight. One is really appealing. Like I think Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro and Jabari Smith might be stars in the league. Um, I'm willing to wager that, that, that those three are good players for a long time in the NBA. But I think for what the Blazers need, you'd rather have the flexibility of both. But I think this is really close. I think this is really, really close. Um, maybe by the end of the NCAA tournament, I'll have been talked into the idea that either Paolo or Chet is like an Anthony Davis type, like a franchise-altering type number one overall pick, or you know, even like a Kyrie Irving or whatever. Uh, but like, and and not an Andrew Wiggins, who's like, okay, a pretty good player for a long time. I think right now they're more like Andrew Wiggins to me, a pretty good player for a long time. Uh, you know, Wiggins is like going to average twenty a game for a decade. That's that's a pretty good outcome for a number one overall pick. But the Blazers need a franchise alterers. They need like a, a, a direction alter at one. So I think I'd rather have five and eight. All right. In the second segment, let's come back and answer more of your questions on this glorious mailbag Monday. Before we do that, I want to tell you about betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They got more lines, more props, more odds than any other place you're going to find. And that's everything. That's Pro and college hoops, that's the NHL, that's tennis tournaments, that's soccer here and abroad. You could have made some real money on North Macedonia today. Shout out to uh, my Italian soccer fans out there. Uh, you Listen, whatever it is, you're going to find action at Bet Online. Like I said, more lines, more props, more odds than anywhere else. Uh, in Live in-game betting, pre-game betting, future bets, whatever you want to do. Go take advantage of it. Go to betonline.net today. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Lasers. I usually do that intro in the third segment, but for some reason, I forgot where we were, so we did it in the second one. That's a branding mistake that you don't care about, but all right, I already did it. The next question in the Glorious Mailbag Monday comes from Mickey Walker at Mickey Jr. 7 or Mickey IR7? Mickey I Mickey or 7, we'll say on Twitter. And Mickey or asks. Over under for Anthony Simons next year at 22 and a half points per game with Dame not injured or out for an extended period of time. Right. Like if Dame was out, I'd probably pound the over. But I think if you assume that Dame plays and, and I'm going to assume that he's fine. Um, I have heard whispers that he's telling people he feels great. Um of course, he's going to say that. So I'm not, it's like not special, but I've, the word on the street, Damon Lord, what people have asked him, says he feels fantastic and is, you know, ready to play basketball again, but knows that he's got to kind of wait, tough it out for the rest of this um, tank season for the Blazers. So I'm going to assume Dame's healthy and ready to go and all those things. Um, 22 and a half is a really good number. I think it's a really good. This is the second really good number. I think Conexion Blazers nailed it with the two scenarios. I think Mickey's here nailing it with the over-under. My listeners, smart folks. I appreciate y'all. I'll go under hesitantly. Like 23 a game is a lot is the only reason. Not that Ant can't score that way. Like if, if Dame is out, he could score 25 plus. Like dude's a bucket. He's really a good offensive player. Uh I just think it's, it's kind of just like mouths to feed, right? Like I think if if Dame's healthy and Josh Hart's healthy and Nurk's healthy and they get a, some kind of other veteran forward and you're getting some, you know, expanding some bench minutes, you get a little bit of offense off the bench from some combination of Azir Little and Justice Winslow, maybe just Azir Little, um, then I think there's just, you know, just like a slight reduction in productivity. CJ McCollum was right at this line, so I understand why he said it there. I, I would, I'm going to hesitantly go the under assuming health. But again, I think 22 and a half is a, is a really, really good number. And if, and if 
and scores 24 a game. It wouldn't necessarily surprise me. This next question comes from Nick at coach underscore Nick 89 on Twitter, who asks, do you think Joe Ingles is re-signed to a contract north of 12 million, say one year plus a team option for a second year as a pay, as a way to have a player in the $12 million range to trade at a deadline, given that he probably won't play be able to play most or all of next season. Yeah, I, I mean, coming he's uh, 35 years old or will be 35 when the season starts. Coming off an ACL tear, I saw today on social media that he just ditched the crutch and he's taking his next step in uh, in rehab. So like, you know, minor progress, but still a long way to go back from um, uh, ACL injury at, at his age after coming off the season that he had. Um, it's just, it's, it might be a while before he comes back. I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that Joe Ingles won't play professional basketball in the NBA until 2023 at the earliest. He certainly could come back faster than that, but I think like a reasonable assumption is January of 2023. That would just be my, my guess based on what I know about NBA players tearing their ACL. Uh, and, and in the past, I, you know, Ingles is a free agent this summer. He's, he's, uh, the Blazers have his bird rights, which means they can go over the salary cap to sign him. So basically they can just sign him to whatever contract they want. There's some restrictions beyond like what kind of raise he can get, but 12 million. It's not above that restriction. Uh, it's more like 24 million, I believe, is the number over that they can't go over. He's not getting that kind of money. But I think this is really smart, Nick. I think this is really smart. Uh, I'm not going to say who told me this because they might write about it in the future. But a, a smart friend, a smart basketball friend of mine came up with this exact scenario. Um, uh, this person mentioned, I think the, uh, the Blazers are going to sign Joe to a tr big tradable contract and try to deal him. This is this is a reasonable scenario. I don't think it's a lock, but this type of thing is sort of that thinking outside the bun, to, to use a phrase that like um, the Blazers might need to do. It's like you pay Joe Ingles twelve million dollars, not because he's worth twelve million dollars, but because twelve million dollars is a really nice number to trade at. I, Nick, I think this is really smart. Do I think it's likely? I don't know. Um, it kind of depends on what the Blazers do with the rest of their roster because. Will they go like super expensive to have a trade piece? I don't know. But I think there's a real reality where the Blazers, you know, sign Joe Ingles to this big number. I think this is really smart. I think this is really um, uh, uh, smart for both of the front office did it and, and, and for you to come up with a scenario that he would get this big contract and become a trade piece. And if he's ready to go, you just roll with him and he's a good part of the uh, part of the plan. And you can decide to pay him, you know, what you want to pay him into the future or if you want to pick up his option or whatever it might be. Or you flip him at the trade deadline because he'll be an expiring deal. And that expiring deal could be valuable to someone. You bring back a piece, you bring back money in the $12 million range and make it happen like that, that, um, I, you know, I can't call it whether the Blazers will or will not do that, but you're not the first person to mention this idea to me. And I think it's a really reasonable plan. It is a, it's a really reasonable plan. It's sort of what the Blazers did with Rodney Hood is they, they, they kind of gave him a raise after coming off the Achilles uh, and, and he wouldn't have gotten that money on the open market. And then they, that allowed them to make a trade for Norman Powell. So I can see a similar scenario with Joe Ingles coming back next season where if he helps, he helps. And if he doesn't, he's tradable. Next question comes from Ross McDonald at Real Big Salmon on Twitter, who asks, Most likely guy to have a real NBA contract with the Blazers next year. Drew Eubanks, Chris Dunn, CJ Ellaby, uh, Brandon Williams, Ben McLemore, Elijah Hughes, Kelgin Blevins. No way, Kelgin Blevins. No way, Elijah Hughes. Probably, I'm going to say no way, CJ Ellaby, although it's a soft no way. So really, we're talking about Drew Eubanks, Chris Dunn. Actually, I'm I'm changing that up. No way, CJ Hellaby. Hard no way. Drew Eubanks, Chris Dunn, Brandon Williams, Ben McLemore. McLemore maybe just because he's going to be a vet minimum guy and he proves he can help. 
Uh, Brandon Williams, probably not because he's already on a two-way contract. And so why would they convert him unless they have to? They could just pay him on the two-way and play him. Uh, the league is never going back to a limitation on two-way guys. They're always going to be able to play forever. Uh, the Blazers just have Brandon Williams on the cheap. Good for them, bad for him. It's good for him because he gets an opportunity, but he could maybe, he's proved he's a pretty good player, like an NBA, probably an NBA backup point guard. He could, uh, might, the Blazers might have given him a cameo to prove that he's worth more than his contract, but that's that's kind of just how some guys have to break into the league. So really we're talking about Dunn and, and Eubanks as we sort of narrow it down. I will lean Eubanks, but I'm not confident in that. And part of me, when I started to prep for this, said circle Dunn, crossed him out, and went back to Eubanks. I'll say Eubanks because he could be a third center on a minimum contract, fills out the back half of the rotation, proves that he can be sort of like just productive in what he does, whereas Brandon Williams fills the the third point guard, emergency point guard uh opportunity or spot that Dunn would would be occupying and I think um I think you can you know you can find a veteran backup point guard if you end up needing one you might even be able to go find Chris Dunn if you end up needing one or just converting Brandon Williams if you need that spot uh Dunn obviously way better defender Williams better offensive player not very comparable point guards but I will guess Drew Eubanks so I would rate if I had to power rank likely to be, to sign an, a full NBA contract next year I'll go Eubanks Dunn Macklemore Brandon Williams extremely huge gap C.J. Ellaby, even bigger gap, Elijah Hughes, massive gap, Kelgen Blevins. Next question comes from Scott at ScottPTB30 on Twitter who asks, keep one for the next five seasons, Keon Johnson or Trendon Watford? This is tough for me, quite honestly. Um, part of me says that Keon Johnson, the physical gifts he has make his upside obviously higher. He's also uh, almost two full years younger than Trenton Watford. He just turned 20 like he's last week. Uh, Watford is, is already 21. This is like some real NBA draft brain poison where you're like, 21? He's so old. I do not think that. I think Watford's young and has a ton of upside. I want to lean. I want to lean uh, Keon, right? Because I think like the upside, the physical gifts and the upside there is like five years. But I'm a guy who who wants to see feel, and I feel is the thing that I look for when I'm. I'm not. I'm not a pro. I'm a podcaster, and I've been an NBA media member for a long time, uh, for eight seasons, which makes me feel old to say out loud. But uh, it's. I, the Trent Watford's feel is just significantly further along than than Keon. I think you could make a case that Keon is definitely worth the long term flyer over what Trent was. Keon was a first round pick. Keon was a much higher uh, uh, sort of thought of uh, high school senior than than Trent was coming out. Uh, I, you know. Trenton Watford was uh, a five-star kid, but he wasn't um, he wasn't like a five-star surefire NBA type when he came out. He was a probably make the NBA five-star. Like I think most people thought he would be a first-round pick. Keon was like in some places as a as a rookie. From what I've now read back, looking back on though, Keon is like you know surefire NBA guy as a seventeen-year-old, um, and 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 ended up still being a first-round pick despite um, you know despite his sort of his journey. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's trending for me. I think it's trending. I'm not super confident in this answer. I, 
honestly, listeners, question askers, you've done great with these questions. I have struggled with these more today. I think the sort of the lines, obviously this is some selection bias because I literally choose them, but um, really good ones today. So I'll lean trend in for the next five years, although I think a reasonable mind could convince me that it's Keon Johnson. All right, let's come back in the third segment, do a little nonsense. We've got some fun shows, fun questions to close out the show. Before, I do, before we do that, I want to tell you about NBA Top Shot, the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. You can connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as, as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your NBA fan experience. It's the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's in part trading cards, part stock market, part fantasy sports, and part airline royalty program. Because if you get involved, you get rewards for being involved. Uh, basically, what you're buying is a unique basketball highlight, unique to you that you individually own. And you might be asking, why would I buy a highlight when I can just watch it on YouTube for free? It's not just about watching the highlight. It's about having an ownership stake in what's akin to a stock market for the NBA's greatest highlights. If someone were to tell you in 1916 that your piece of cardboard with Babe Ruth's face on it would be worth millions Millions one day, everyone would think you're crazy. And this is the opening tip of the digital age. The NBA's officially licensed NFT will be a big part of that digital age. Imagine what NFT, NFTs are even mainstream on social media. You'll be able to flex what you own around the world instantly. No binders, no shoeboxes, no sleeves, no nothing. You'll just be able to show people, I got this. If you sign up today for Top Shot, the best way to start is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull an NFT of a superstar like LeBron or KD or stars like rookie stars like Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley, those cost you nine bucks. And if you didn't pull your favorite player from the starter pack, you can snag your moments from the marketplace that appeal to you. So get started today. Check it out. That's NBA Top Shot. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, the fast, not the fastest and easiest way to bet on our sports action. That's Bet Online in our first segment. Built Bar is actually the best tasting protein bar that there is. Uh, I truly mean that. Like, I'm someone who's sampled a bunch of protein bars. I've, um, I'm a snacker. I'm a snacker, by, a grazer by nature. And so sometimes it's middle of the afternoon and I need to finish up my day job and record a podcast and get a workout in and all these things. I'm looking for something that provides a boost, a little bit of protein, something that'll pick up my blood sugar and something that tastes great. I have sampled the world. Built Bar is just the best. My personal favorites are cookies and cream and peanut butter brownie. But your average Built Bar packs a punch. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just 4 net carbs. Tastes great. Good for you. Going to give you the fuel you need to create a fun mailbag podcast and still get on your uh, exercise bike and get a sweat in too. Not so bad. So why don't you go save yourself some money and try out these delicious bars? Built.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. And we're still doing a mailbag got some fun questions to close out the show. I usually save the nonsense for last. Uh, if you're a long-time listener to Mailbag, you know the structure. But if you're a first-timer, we kind of get goofy. Or if we're going to get goofy and not be very basketball serious, uh, you know, we talk basketball here. I'm, I'm someone, like, the, I've said this a bunch of times, the part of basketball I like is basketball. So I always try to keep a hoops. I like what happens on the court. That's what interests me. But I love having fun, too. And I love having fun with people who enjoy Mailbag. This is why it's fun. We got some really great goofy ones. MapQuest Malnati. That's why we put him at the end so we can have fun to end your week here on a Friday. This is Friday, March 25th show, and we're having a little fun. MapQuest Malnati at Malnati on Twitter asks, 
with the courtside server getting run into yet again last night. Maybe you could share some memorable moments you witnessed on press row. So this is courtside server Katie. And man, Katie has had some run-ins. Uh, one time LeBron James knocked her over and then kind of like picked her up and said sorry to her. One time she got bumped into by the ref and dropped a whole uh, a whole tray of drinks, beers and cocktails and all the stuff all over the sideline. I spilled onto the floor. They had to stop the game. And then last night, uh, Josh Richardson, Spurs for Spurs guard, guard for the Spurs, what I was trying to say there. Uh, he jumped out of bounds to save a ball. He he leaped over the first row of folks and kind of crashed into Katie, this courtside server, Katie, and knocked her into one of her co-workers who was carrying a tray of drinks. The drinks fall everywhere. Katie gets up. She's fine. But it's like this viral moment. Also, the Blazers were losing by 25,000 points. So it's like you can have a little fun on the television broadcast and be like, okay, let's enjoy this. Um, I even saw it on the local news. Shout out to shout out to KGW and Orlando Sanchez, who played, who played the clip, did a whole clip of it on the news. Um, made the broadcast, made local news here in Portland, Katie, uh, server Katie all over it. So, um, it, it, it prompted this question. Um, I have, I have seen some things to be honest, uh, in, in my time, uh, not all of them appropriate to share here in a public space, but my first game ever on the beat, like the first time I ever sat on press row as, as a beat writer for the Oregonian at the time, um, someone had a cardiac event in the stadium and ended up passing away like two sections over. Like a fan literally passed away the first night, the first half I ever covered an NBA game as a professional. That was, at the moment, I didn't know that they had passed away. I just knew that they were sort of rushed out and it was a scary, really scary moment. And I said, oh, okay, that's that's really, that's terrifying. Um, but that was quite an introduction to this sort of this world of, um, not that like this happens regularly by any means, thank goodness, but like... It, the sort of professional world of being a journalist is like, oh, things, weird stuff happens at, at any moment. What wild stuff happens at any moment. Scary stuff happens at any moment. You know, all of us experience the world. That's like the truth of the world, but maybe doesn't happen. Like I've, I've since switched to um, a job where stuff like that does not happen. <laughs> More spreadsheets, less, uh, less sort of wildness. So that was certainly, that was like literally night one on the job back in 2014. Uh, the another thing, the sort of another moment that I remember that is like not on the scale, and there's not an elegant way to transition from um, someone losing their life to this, but it is what it is. Is that uh, the the Blazers used to fly around this blimp that was sponsored by Ford, and it would like drop tickets or give away stuff from it. And one time it deflated and got stuck in the like. Uh, the tunnel to leave the 200 section to go onto the concourse and it distracted everyone on press row for 25 minutes. Uh, the Blazers were playing a game like this was like a pretty good Blazers team. I think they won 54 games that year. Uh, and, and the, the blimp is just crashing and we are going nuts on press row. And I remember it just being like, I missed six and a half minutes of an NBA game. I love the NBA. Like I'm not getting distracted that easily. I'm watching the game and enjoying it. And I'm, I am dialed on the blimp. I'm, I think I'm blogging about the blimp. Like at the time still work for the newspaper and it's like, hey, let's write about this, you know, talking with my editor, talking with my, the photographer who's there for us. And like, we're, we are blogging the blimp. Like, it's a moment. And I remember it being a moment. And then I remember going in the locker room and asking Wesley Matthews, like, hey, man, do you see the blimp? And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? No, no. When I'm at work playing professional basketball, I do not see what happens in the stands. I'm not like easily distracted at the foul line, staring off into the arena, you know, covering my eyes to see from the, from the, you know, whatever stage lights to see what's happening and what's getting people worked up in the stands. Um, and that was like an illuminating moment where I was like, oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe I maybe I didn't realize uh, how how all of this works. So that was just a funny moment for like kind of. Uh, early Twitter viral stuff and then like realizing that the things that I might notice during the game is not what the things that players notice during the game. And then this is like a thing that I noticed on Press Row that I actually told a friend about last night. I don't remember where we were. Like I think we were in Dallas because that's one of the few arenas where you sit down low, but we were somewhere. It was, we definitely went to Dallas on the trip. So it could have been Houston, but I don't think you sit down low there, but it was somewhere where we sit down low, like somewhere where we're, we're on the court. Um, and uh, there were these fans that were kind of heckling Terry Stotts. And they're like, hey, down in front, coach, we can't see you. Because Terry's like 6'8", and he was standing. And Terry didn't really acknowledge them, but he peeked back over his shoulder to kind of see where they were. And then he slid over to the side to make sure he stood in front of him. It was a, it was a great moment in trolling history. So uh, shout out to Terry for moving in front of the fans. All right, final question of the show comes from Carrie at Carrie with two Ys on Twitter asks, Come up with the best hypothetical starting five of players that wore the same number for the Trailblazers. I love these. They're a little bit of homework, so I don't maybe don't love them, but I, I like the sort of challenge of doing this. My absolute first thought was 30. 30 is the, is the best number in Blazers history. It's retired twice because of Bob Gross and Terry Porter, uh, and also Rasheed Wallace wore it. Like, it's a, it's a number for ballers. But 30 doesn't have a good five-man group. Uh, my next thought was one, because Rod Strickland and, and Anthony Simons and Derek Anderson, and I thought there would be some other guys who wore one. Uh, there's some other numbers that kind of are up there. None of the, like, like Moluk 20. There's not enough 20s. Uh, Bill Walton, 32. Not enough 32s. Uh, even LaMarcus Aldridge, 12. Obviously, Dame's zero. Not 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 quite up there, but I think the number I've landed on, we're going to go a little bit big to get there is 33. I think 33 gets you the biggest five, the best five man uh, group. And I think it's, I think it's, you got to go a little gigantic to get there, but here's how it works. We're going to start at point guard, point forward, Scotty Pippen. Pippen was not an all-star in Portland, but he was still darn good when he got here. Um, you know, the, the, the later stages of his career was still darn good, particularly the 2000 season. Um, a very good basketball player. So he's going to start a point guard at shooting guard. We're going to go Jim Barnett. Uh, Barnett was on the inaugural Blazers team in 1970. And he averaged 18, four and four, like almost 18, four and five. Like he was, he once told me for a story I was writing that he had carte blanche to do whatever he wanted in Portland. And he said that like, just matter of factly, like dog, in 19, he probably wouldn't say that because he's playing basketball in the seventies, but it's like in 1970, I could do whatever, like I could, I worked for a fledgling franchise in the far away outpost of Portland, Oregon. We weren't good and we were brand new and I was the best player. He got to do whatever he wanted. So 18, four and four, Jim Barnett is our starting shooting guard. Our next 33 is Calvin Nat, who in five seasons in Portland averaged 17 and seven, uh, did not make the all-star team, but was an all-star immediately after he left. And 17 and seven over five years is darn good for a small forward. We're going big here. Uh, we're really a big team because that's starting at power forward Sharif Abdul-Rahim. Again, not an all-star in Portland and was kind of at the, the end of his, uh, you know, high, end of his declining era of his powers by the time he got here. But Reef was a bucket. Sharif Abdul-Rahim was a, one of the great scorers in the league in his prime. Uh, and he's going to be starting at, at power forward for our best number team and starting a center is steve johnson a 1988 all-star and one of the underrated players of the 80s for the blazers quite frankly uh maybe if you're around in the 80s he's correctly rated but i think for people who are my age who kind of missed this era of, of basketball those are those are now folks in their mid-30s if you're around in the 80s i hate to tell you uh, but folks in their mid-30s were not around um at least necessarily to like truly appreciate it so uh i think th that's my starting five pip 
Jim Barnett, Calvin Nat, Shreve Abdurrahim, and Steve Johnson. Uh, shout out to to uh, Gary Trent Sr., who I guess would come come off the bench for this group, uh, just because he dresses fun. So. I challenge you, dear listener, if you can find a better number, all players wore the exact same number and formed a better team than my 33, you send me your team, you make an impassioned argument, locked on on blazerspod at gmail.com, and I will read your better team on the show. Uh, That is courtesy of Basketball Reference. All of that information is available on Basketball Reference. You can find it, I believe, in you. That is going to do it for today's show. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag, Email me, lockdownblazerspod at gmail.com or tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. Lockdown Blazers isn't going anywhere. Blazers play a couple games over the weekend. This evening, they play the Houston Rockets. This is Friday show. They play the Houston Rockets Friday night. They play the Houston Rockets Saturday night. They play OKC on Monday night. We're going to have, uh, we'll talk about Monday show. We'll talk about the two Houston games. We'll talk about a little bit about what happened over the weekend, the NCAA tournament, some NBA guys that caught my eye. Uh, Monday, Monday, they play the, the Thunder. We'll recap that game. Tuesday, friend of the program, Mark Schindler is going to join the show. Uh, writer for Basketball News and a couple other places, podcasts at The Athletic, uh, a really smart basketball mind, excited to have Mark on the program. we got a great, great shows next week, five more of them coming at you every single weekday, so why don't you go find us wherever you already get podcasts, subscribe to the show, tell your friends to do the same, and then make this part of your daily routine and make it your first listen every single day. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs>